and hope oh, might want to do that. Hey guys, welcome to Liberty 101. I am Christine. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Um, we have a really good show in store for you. Uh, but before we get into all of that, let me do the business part of it all. The Libertarian Veteran Caucus, leading libertarians to veteran issues and leading veterans to libertarian solutions. James Toller for Kentucky. He puts people over politics. Donate today at toller4ky.com. That's T-O-L-L-E-R, the number four, K-Y.com. <clears throat> Chris By for Alaska's congressman. Uh, to learn more about him and to how you can help and donate, please go to itstimealaska.com. And as always, you can find more uh, about us and all of the different podcasts that are on here at all of these different platforms, um, from Twitter to Twitch to Spotify. Check them all out. So tonight's show, tonight's show, we are talking about the most anticipated convention in my time with the Libertarian Party, or since I've you know, came and then gone. Um, we will have the LNC convention this coming weekend in Reno. And tonight on the show, we have Tony Durazio. I hope I said that right. And if not, I apologize, Tony, um, who is running for LNC chair joining us. We'll be talking about the convention, the events at convention, and also the scandal from my own home state at the convention in which I ran for chair at, um, and whether the delegates should be seated. So, I welcome Tony. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well, and you said my name perfectly, by the way. Okay, perfect. Good. It's a little uh, phobia of mine is to mispronounce people's name because mine gets mispronounced my entire life. So, so tell us a little bit about you, um, for those who may not be familiar, and you know why you decided. You know, people ask me when I ran for chair of LPPA, why the hell would I do that? Um, I'm going to ask you the same question. Why the hell do you want to do it? Um, but after you tell us a little bit about you and everything like that. Sure, sure. And by the way, I get that question all the time. Um, so uh, I've, I am, um, I've been a libertarian for a long time, I, uh, since the uh, days of Harry Brown, uh, the, the first time. So in 96, 1996, I cast my first libertarian vote. I became really active um, in the party about six years ago. Uh, been, so I've been active in leadership for the, the last five or six years. I've been New York State Chair. I'm currently the first vice chair of the Libertarian Party of New York. I'm the former communications director for the Libertarian Party of New York. I've twice been a candidate, once for a hyper-local position, a, a town supervisor, and um, once as um, and once as a, as a congressional candidate. I've worked on several campaigns and um, worked with libertarians from all all walks of life, if you will. So what, with all of that knowledge, and you've obviously been around a long time, why did you decide to run for a national chair? So during my time in New York, I, um, I, was, I dealt with um, kind of a nasty um, controversy there. Uh, where we had two groups that were claiming ownership of the Libertarian Party. It got ugly. Um, the, the previous chair um, had taken his side in it, as had I, um, at, frankly, and attempts to resolve it um, just weren't working. Um, when I was chair, it was one of my one of my goals was to resolve that problem, and I did. 
uh, so we went into our our, first, our big organizing meeting that we that we had um, in, in September 2020 um, with with a unified party, a party that was um, didn't agree on everything, but but was willing to work together. And I've I've kept kept that spirit even after I've been chair as first vice chair. I've, I've kept that collaborative spirit going. We have. We certainly have people who don't get along with each other in the party yet. Yet most of them work just fine with me. We uh, all work together because we're all pulling in the same direction um, against this, the uh, cult of the omnipotent state and uh, towards a, a world set free in our lifetimes. And sometimes in the infighting, it's easy to lose sight of that. And it has taken. And I work very hard not to lose sight of it. It, it's not always easy, but it's it's one of those things that I can do. And because I have that ability to work with people who don't necessarily work well with each other, um, I feel like I'd be a good choice for the party, especially now. Yeah, I mean, in the conversations I'd ha I've had with people um, during my time with the LP and then, you know, in the last three months of leaving or two months. Two months of leaving the LP, um, you know, I've heard raves about you. Um, I am familiar with Steve um, because of the Joe Jorgensen campaign. So I am familiar with him um, and his expertise. I mean, he was a big help, obviously, during the Jorgensen campaign when I was a state manager. Um, <clears throat> I don't know that there's a Chris guy running, right? Um, Chris Emily. Um... I, yeah, I'm unfamiliar with him. Um, I had the unfortunate, I mean, I had the fortune of meeting Angela um, briefly <laughs> at convention in Pennsylvania. Um, and I, I didn't have the most pleasant experience in meeting her. Um, she didn't come off as someone who was very personable um, or welcoming in my experience. Um, I know that others have had uh, different experiences and that's fine. Uh, my personal experience is that she wasn't very, sure. very friendly. Um, but I mean, I've heard very many good things about you and, and that I appreciate you being on tonight so we can mm -hmm. discuss things, um, especially leading up into this weekend. So <sighs> there's a lot of contention around convention this weekend. I mean, there's the different races that are being run. Um, how do you think you fare in comparison to the other people running? I think I do. I think I'm I fare pretty well. Um, the way I the the kind of the and I'm I'm somebody who kind of manages more on feel than necessarily um, money balling every race. Um, and what I what I've seen is that there are three factions in the party. You've got this one faction who shall remain nameless who wants to take over everything and great. Uh, we have another faction who is. 100% wants to evict everybody who's over here in this faction, and that's great. And then we've got this big faction in the middle, and, and it seems to be the largest one. And, boy, I'm having trouble keeping my hands straight tonight. Um, and they're the ones that really know the work of the party is to get candidates elected and, and grow the idea of a world set free in our lifetime. And yeah, and, and most of those, a lot of those people aren't on social media, so I've been reaching out to them personally. Um, I think I fare pretty well. Time will tell and the audience will decide. But 
I mean, if it had to, if, if I was going to, to Reno and being a delegate, which wouldn't happen because, you know, Michael Heiss picked his delegate list himself for Pennsylvania delegates, but we'll get to that later. Um, I, you know, without knowing um, full detail or, or talking to you guys, I, it would be between you and Steve for me, because I think what you said about candidates and, and running and having that experience is what this party needs. Um, it needs people who've had success, you know, successful runs, whether winning or not, but just getting the, the party's name out there and getting the liberty movement out there is essential in helping to grow the liberty movement. Um, and I think that from the bit that I do know, you and Steve really have that information and that experience and, and talking with you, you know, um, I'm very impressed with everything that you've done. I've heard great things about New York. You guys are in a really tight crunch right now, aren't you with trying to get signature collection by the end of the month? We are, um, <laughs> we need, uh, we need 4,500 net, uh, 45,000 net signatures to get our statewide candidates on the ballot, um, which is the result of some dirty playing by um, by our former governor Cuomo and a couple of his um, lackeys. It used to only be 15,000. And frankly, we earned this ballot access in 2018. We shouldn't have to be doing this right now, but we are. Where, if you don't mind me asking, do you guys have an approximate idea of where you are leading in? Because I imagine most of you, because I know, I think Larry Sharp's talking at Reno. You're obviously going to be at Reno. There's a lot of key people from New York going to be at Reno. So signature collection is kind of now. Well, it is. Um, and, and Larry's not going to Reno. He he has backed out. I know he was a oh, speaker okay. and he backed out. Um, because okay. because of, of this big crunch, um, there are... I, I, anecdotally, I, I am staying as far away from the actual numbers myself as possible because everybody's asking me, and I want and 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 I want to make sure that, especially in my personal position right here, I um I, I don't I don't take a side or an agenda on that one. Um, I, I don't want to use it right. as a campaign. I, I'm told we're about halfway to our net number, but that's okay. a, a ballpark. Uh, the deadline is May 31st, so it's, it's right as convention's ending um, is is our deadline. So it, it is a crunch. We were hoping to get it extended because of some changes to the um, congressional districts that happened um, thanks to the courts, but but that's still a pending case, uh, and so we could be in trouble. Having said that, we're, we've also got a couple of lawsuits um, in in the works um, because we should have retained our ballot access from 2018 under the uh, rules that that were in place in 2018 and 2019 um so we're we're, we're hopeful we have several irons in the fire but uh it's it's a tenuous situation for us absolutely it, it's a day-by-day -day process at this point absolutely would, would you say that's a pretty accurate statement okay I think that's a very accurate statement <laughs> Yeah, I know. I've been following Thomas Queter and um, Larry Sharp and, you know, kind of keeping my ear to the grind on what you guys need. And, you know, unfortunately, I work in the schools, so <laughs> school is still in session for us or else I'd be up there trying to help you all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
But as we get closer to convention, I know there's a lot of names being thrown in for different officers. Um, you know, with the couple of people that have announced their run for vice chair, is there someone you would prefer? And I imagine your political answer would be you'll work with any of them. I will. You're right. I use that. <laughs> yeah, because that's how you and I work. I mean, that's how, you know, what I said and what I stand by when I was running for LPPA chair. But at the end of the day, there is a preferred candidate. Are you willing to say who your preferred candidate for vice chair would be? I got to tell you, um, I, I see I see strengths and weaknesses in all four of the people that are running for vice chair right now, um, which You're such a politician. Uh, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a week from now, ask me, uh, I'm just going to have the politician face off um, for, for a day or two. Um, then, I'll, then I'll have to go back on because I'm going to be chair. But in, in all seriousness, um, I've um, I've spoken with all four of the vice, vice chair candidates. All four of them have expressed their own preferences for chair that aren't necessarily me, <laughs> um, but have all expressed a willingness to work with me, too. And that's all I really ask for. Um, that, that's all I really ask for. Um, I, I, I frankly have friendly relationships with all four of them, um, which okay. is a valuable thing. Um, yes, it is. Yeah. So. Okay. So yeah, I'm not handicapping I mean, that I, one. <laughs> are you going to answer the same way for all of the officer positions? Um, not like necessarily. Secretary? Secretary is a tough one for me, believe it or not. Um, I am, I am, there are two people that I know that are running, um, okay. Tyler and Tyler and Karen Ann, and they both have their strengths and weaknesses. And I frankly have had a personal, a professional relationship with uh, Karen Ann, um, which has been positive. But um, okay. that's surprising the, from my experience. <laughs> she was, she served as a parliamentarian for our 2020 um, um, convention and uh, did a fantastic job i i can't i she was extremely professional and extremely impartial um, which i know that a lot of people have had a much different experience but it hasn't been much that didn't yeah that did not happen in pennsylvania let me just say that she was not impartial in pennsylvania but i digress I, yeah <laughs> but I, i'm I, glad I, to I, know that you're you're able to work with all of them um you know personalities and stuff aside that you're able to find that common ground. And I think that that's what we need um, in any chair, whether it be state or national. So, I mean, being able to put personal agendas and, and what have you aside and being able to find that commonality to work with is, is a good thing. So I commend you on that. Um, I hope that the it's reciprocated on the other side. I hope so too, but I can't control what anybody else does. I can only control what I do and how I react. And yeah. it's taken me a long time to get there. It's not, it's not always the easiest thing to, um, it's not always the easiest stance to take. Um, because, you know, especially about half the party is going to hate me um, when, um, when I'm chair. Uh, no doubt. I'm going to be railed every single day of my life. Um and these are people I still have to work with and uh, represent as um, LNC chair, because I will be, in some ways, the figurehead for all libertarians, no matter where they stand. 
Yeah, I mean, I so a little backstory for me. I've been um, involved in the Libertarian Party since 2016. Um, I got involved during the Johnson campaign and did stuff locally for his campaign. Our chair of our county was ridiculous at the time. He wanted nothing to do with presidential stuff and only his own personal um, runs. Uh, I ended up backing out because of sexual harassment. Shocking in the LP. Anyway, um, and then in 2018, I got involved again. Gus here in New York kind of wrote me back in when he gave me a Dale Kern sign. Um, but I got involved and then he got me Gus again. Why do I work with him? Anyway, um, Gus got me involved in the Jorgensen campaign as a state manager. Um, and you know, I, I've been, then I got involved on the state level following that. So I forget where I was going. Cause I was reading all of what lunatic was writing, but you know, in my experience of being, yeah, he's just saying once Dave Smith on this podcast. Oh, he wants Dave Smith. He likes to come on here. Uh, lunatic. Yeah. It's I, just, I, he and I have talked. Oh, I know where I was going with all this. In my time, um, the chair of the LNC has always gotten their ass for it, road, basically, you know, Nick Sarwak, um, JBH, and now Whitney. Um, there is no, like letting them do their job. I mean, there's, there's one thing of like uh, constructive criticism and, and a little bit of backlash to kind of push the agenda forward and stuff like that. But I feel like in the last five years or however, six years that I've been involved, the chairs have just not been given any kind of leeway, any kind of, and, and you know, to a point, I don't think they need leeway because it is a job with a full bu a bunch of responsibility nationally. But mm -hmm. I feel like there needs to be some respect given to allow someone to figure out what's going to be the best for every 50 state, every state, you know, all the 50 states, um, because what's good for Pennsylvania or New York isn't good for Utah and Nebraska. And exactly. it's a lot to kind of control and handle and to organize. And people only see things from their perspective. Would, would you agree with that? I, I would. Like what, in fact, what's best for their state? Yeah. In fact, I, I, there was a uh, discussion on Clubhouse um, last night, and the one thing that keeps coming up in this in this race is the messaging. Oh, the national messaging, specifically on the mandates, um, which, which which started off slowly. I, I, I don't disagree with that. Um, but but one thing that hasn't always been recognized is that it got a lot better. At the same time, a strong message from national that's super specific. Think about it. what we needed to do, what we needed to fight against in New York was a very oppressive um, set of mandates and a very, a lot of serious restrictions on employers, on dining out. And I know a lot of people in the Northeast, especially really had to deal with this. Now apply what you're, what we're saying in New York to Florida where they had the exact opposite going on, where businesses weren't allowed to put in any rules. Still authoritarian in the other direction. The messaging that right. would apply in New York and in Florida are completely different. And, and people, which is why messaging really needs to be primarily handled by states and really candidates who, who need to be fight, fighting against, against these things. I know that uh, that always hasn't always um, worked out for us in every state, but in general, just because it doesn't work sometimes doesn't mean it shouldn't be the way we go. 
So that's, that's actually the way that I feel. Um, you know, I feel like bold messaging and, and whatever edgelording or whatever the heck you want to call it should be coming from candidates because you look at the way and the major parties are have flaws, obviously, but they obviously do some things right for people to still follow and vote and what have you. And when I look at these major parties, you don't see this bold messaging coming from the Republicans or the Democrats as the national parties, or even sometimes necessarily from the state parties. You see it coming from the Rand Pauls, the, the Trumps, the Newcombs, the DeSantos, the Tulsi Gabbards. You see it coming from the candidates making these bold statements, which are bringing people to those candidates because that's who they relate to and who that they can then put on a pedestal or or vote for on a ballot and that's what's giving the attention to the party it's these candidates that are encompassing the ideas of the party and then bringing people to the party so i believe my personal opinion we should be putting up good candidates not freaking stupid edge lording ones like what's his face kaufman who's up north you know putting out satirical, you know, campaign stuff, that stuff is not beneficial to our party. It's beneficial to Kaufman and getting his, you know, name thrown back and forth yeah. in good and bad terms. But in my opinion, it should be from the candidates. And then if you want to continue working on single issue coalitions, like say Black Lives Matter, ending gerrymandering or decriminalizing or legalizing marijuana and what have you, you work with those organizations that support those things. And then you wear the merchandise and, and you wear stuff that defines you as a libertarian so that they understand that the party's members also support this this process, this, this organization, this effort. And that's how we get the party to grow. It's by putting out candidates that have good messaging, bold messaging, relatable messaging. And then it's also encouraging people out to go with single issue coalitions. When I was, a, when I was a campaign manager last spring for a special election, me and my candidate went out to a fair districts. I led cadence. He held a sign, you know, we were part. So they saw that this, it was Tim McMaster was running as a libertarian for the PA Senate. They saw him, his campaign attached to this messaging of supporting ending gerrymandering. And that's what we need to be doing. We need to be I am not describing the Mises caucus whatsoever, because here, let me tell you why Travis, where Travis's go. In here in Pennsylvania, there was a, a, a organization put together called Don't Tread on Philly, which was advocating against the mass mandates that were being put in Philadelphia. When they went, they went and they endorsed the Mises Caucus. They had Don't Tread on Philly and they had Mises Caucus logos, everything. There was nothing to define them as libertarians. That is not pushing the party forward. That's pushing the Mises Caucus forward and it's pushing Don't Tread on Philly forward, which is fine. But don't say it's a libertarian effort. Anyway, I digress. Um, but yeah, sorry, tangent. But, but, it, but you know, it's an interesting tangent, and, and I actually want to follow it a little bit um, because I'm not. I'm. 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 I'm sitting here um, running a campaign that's very much libertarian focused, um, focusing on growing the libertarian party. And there are some candidates, and I'm not. And 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 I'm not saying in. By no means is this all of the endorse, Mises endorsed candidates, 
but there are some of them who have come right out and said, I'm lo loyal to the Mises caucus, not to the Libertarian Party. That is not the majority of them. That is a few a few of the okay. candidates that I've heard from the regional from the regional um, standpoint, and I have a big problem with that. Um, we we need to be boldly libertarian. Now that might mean different things to different people who are a big tent. That'll mean different things to people who are really con concerned about taxation being theft and um, Austrian economics, and that's great. Those are fantastic libertarian issues. But that's but being boldly libertarian to them is going to mean something different than somebody who is um, talking about um, LGBT issues or criminal justice reform. Mm -hmm. Equally libertarian, strongly libertarian, and both and people on both sides should be wearing the libertarian brand, not the brand of their yes. little uh, of their little um, of their little caucus group. That's how we grow libertarianism. Yeah. I hundred percent agree with you on that. Yeah, I mean. I personally define myself initially as a Christian and then as a libertarian. But when I'm doing stuff that is religious, I'm wearing my Christian apparel. And when I'm doing stuff that's libertarian, I'm wearing my libertarian apparel. Um, or now, obviously, I wear different party apparel. But um, <laughs> I still support the endeavors of the, L of the LP because, you know... I put a lot of time and effort into building that party here locally. My husband is running a congressional race as a libertarian. So I still have, you know, parts of me that are invested still in the party, but you know, there's, there's doing something for one thing and then trying to say it's for another. And that's not how that works. It, you can do it for both wear a Mises hat and an LP shirt. Then you're put, you're putting up for both of the parties, and I would totally support and encourage that. But when they were in the newspaper, for example, for Don't Tread on Philly, when they were at the parade, there was nothing. And the only reason we knew that there was libertarians there is because I know who Mark and Bonnie are. <laughs> so I knew that by looking at them. But you know, the argument could be made for anything. You know, I saw these people in the paper for this. Oh, that was a libertarian event. No, it wasn't. It was such and such event because there was no libertarian branding. So, um, yeah, so branding is a very important, sorry, it's yeah. a lot of little tangents there. Ooh, Travis said this, which is all I've been trying to say is do what you want to do, but don't try and masquerade it as something else. I support anybody in going out and pushing to end mandates and trying to do all of this stuff and, and legalizing sex work and decriminalizing marijuana and everything but acknowledge what you're doing it as you are a libertarian or keystone or pirate or whatever but what you represent yourself as in the moment of doing that work that defines on how you represented yourself and what you should be explaining it as so um speaking of all of this convention stuff uh recently and how in depth you want to get on this, I will probably go on a tangent because I'm from Pennsylvania that's and that's fine. my thing is tangents. Um, you know, recently there was a challenge, I believe is the term that was used to the LPP's delegates that are looking to be seated at, um, what was this? Travis, we can talk about that in a minute. Um, there's a challenge put forth by, I believe, someone from Ohio um, regarding the eligibility of the delegates that were chosen 
by Michael Heiss to be the can the convention delegates at Reno. Um, you mean you were at our convention? I was. Um, did you stay for the whole time? I stayed the whole first day. I didn't come back for the, the whole time. Saturday. Yeah. Okay. Um, which is the day that the convention delegates were picked with about five seconds at the end of the business that day. Just yep. want to point that out for a reference. Yeah, it was, it was the last moments <laughs> of business on Saturday and the list was uh, circulated around and people, I think like a hundred people almost signed up to be delegates. And then within seconds, a list of 49 appeared to the, um, the IT people. Um, how much of that situation are you familiar with, Tony? I, I'm not. I've heard that there is a situation and I need to research it a whole lot more before I um, get to Reno because I, I have a feeling it's going to be a hot issue. It definitely is. And I'll give backstory. I'll give details. Um, so it took... It, it, it took us that long to get in quorum, Travis, because of the... Uh, implications of violating election code law. That's why quorum took us forever. And in fact, quorum didn't take us to get as, uh, yeah, as long as it did or not quorum, but to move forward in progress from last year's. So leading up to Pennsylvania's convention, Tony, um, it was brought to the board's attention that we were in violation of Pennsylvania election code. Um, which states that minor parties and major parties for that matter with their primaries cannot allow out-of-staters to vote on officers, on candidates, anything like that at our, at our primaries. Um, and convention was our primary because that's where we choose our candidates, our statewide candidates, in addition to our statewide officers. And this was brought to us early mid-February and it was addressed and it was taken to our legal action committee, I believe it was, um, which was made up of Rob Calburn, who um, who was running for chair as well. And it was made up of Chuck Moulton, I believe, and a couple other people. There was really only like two lawyers, I believe, actually on the legal action committee. And their first their first um, opinion on the situation was given by Rob Calburn that out-of-staters should not vote on our candidates and that it is advisable to not allow them to vote at all. That opinion was given in a very short time, probably a day or two um, after requested from Rob Calburn. Then 24 hours later, surprisingly, um, his opinion changed to that. Oh, it doesn't violate election code and we should let everyone vote because they've paid time and money and everything. Mind you, our meeting is free. So the time and money is something they truly freely chose to do mm -hmm. to be there. Um, which I believe his opinion was a conflict of interest because he was running for chair and the people coming from out of state were potentially assumingly voting for him. Um, so then his opinion changed after he gave his first one. And then we held a special meeting in an attempt to correct our bylaws, which is given permission by our bylaws to hold a meeting, to make us um, set in straight with Pennsylvania, you know, law. 
-hmm. And we had the meeting and the board had a majority to not hold the special meeting to address this. They said that basically they all showed up, but they weren't going to acknowledge the meeting. So then we're basically continuing to invalidate, you know, to violate um, Pennsylvania law. That's why when we got to convention, we spent so much time. Um, we spent so much time trying to get through the 180 and, and to do everything. And then they removed the, the sitting chair of Bill Sloan and it turned into the circus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they allowed the out-of-staters to vote on whether the out-of-staters should be allowed to vote, which didn't make sense and still doesn't make sense. I mean, obviously they're going to say, yes, I want to vote. Um, did you, are you an LPPA member? Yes. Did you vote at convention? Do you mind answering that? I did, but not okay. on the delegate side. I wasn't in the room for that. At that point, I well, people, fully honest, no one really voted on the delegates. So, a paper had been circulated around um, with people signing their name on it. Two friends of mine who have devoted their life to this party and established an affiliate within six, started the affiliate in February or March and had it have a board vote because they've had 12 paid members in the city within four to five months. They worked their butts off for this party and because they don't align or, or pays dues to one faction, they were kicked off the delegate list. In fact, they were replaced with a sexual sex offender who they put up for the governor position who didn't meet the, the residency requirements to even run for governor, who is still, from last I knew, running as a Republican. And he is on our delicate list for Reno. Hmm. They, they motioned to remove somebody, two, peop- two or three people from the alternate list, one because... He wasn't at the convention, but then they added someone else to the actual delegate list, excuse me, who wasn't at convention. Um, This list, from my understanding, was handwritten by Michael Heiss. And if you look at it, 48 out of 49 of the people on that list are Macy's of the actual delegates. One person is not, that is Chuck Moulton. Um, who does a lot for our elections is a very smart, intelligent gentleman and very nice in my, you know, experiences with him and working with him. The alternate list is about two thirds. He sees there's some people that they kept on there because they're not anti, but they, you know, they're, they're middle of the run, you know, work with everybody kind of people. Um, so I know you don't know too much about this and I'm not going to ask you to, to weigh one way or another, but I did say we were going to talk about this tonight. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, in my experience of the, ch- of the convention and all of the concerns being raised was Daryl voted as a ranked alternate. Uh, rig- he must've been moved Travis because originally he was on the actual alternate list. He must have been moved, in my, as far as I recall. Either way, he shouldn't be on the ranked. He shouldn't be an alternate. He is a running, was running as a Republican, and that we, we should be having dedicated libertarians who want to help influence the party moving forward as part of our delegates. That's all I have to say on that. Um, 
in my opinion, um, LPPA delegates shouldn't be seated. The convention violated co the election code. Uh, a lot, all of it is invalid, invalid in my opinion. And the delegate list was handpicked by one person and was the only thing presented to the delegates and was chosen within five, less than five minutes. So, so, um, here's, here's kind of my, um, thought on this and has been my thought about, um, this since, since I heard that there were issues, um, with, with the delegates in Pennsylvania. I know how were all the delegates chosen for Pennsylvania, with the exception of Daryl, who I know you mentioned had some residency um, issues. Were they all Pennsylvania residents? I believe so. That is that is a bylaw requirement that as long as there's enough from Pennsylvania that we can't choose out of state. Okay, so 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 there is a provision um, to, to go out of state. Okay, um, of the uh, delegates. How many do you think are actually going to make it to Reno? Well, considering I know that they're, from my understanding and rumors, they're funding a lot of people's travel and rooming. I would say that a, a good portion of them are going, yes. I would probably uh, say I'm, at least two-thirds. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm actually quite surprised. Um, I know how expensive it I is. I could be mistaken. I know how expensive it is to get to Reno. I, I thought that it was... Um, kind of a long shot that um, all those delegates from Pennsylvania and Pennsylvania wasn't the only state where things like you know, things happened where there were slates of delegates that were chosen. Um, Massachusetts had something similar, wasn't it? Massachusetts has a bit of a bit, bit of a bifurcated party right now. Um, so yeah. there are there are two slates of delegates that this credentials committee has to choose between. Um, Delaware, Delaware had the same issue. Um, or a similar one, not not exactly the same. But um, it's um, I, I kind of want to see who shows up in Reno. Uh, I want to see okay. who on the who from that alternate list shows up in Reno. Um, for the Pennsylvania delegates, I, I'm I'm re really hoping that um, delegates who have been loyal to the party, people who are loyal to the party, and not to uh, or one particular faction only. Um, who are showing up for just some rapid fire votes and getting out of there? Um, I, I hope I hope we actually see that. And I I hope we do too. Yeah, I hope we do too. I, I will say, in the experience of my two friends who were shunned from the you know the delegate list, they actually, um, from my understanding, wrote the state party and asked to remove their names from the alternate list because of Daryl Brooks being higher on the alternate list than them and feeling snubbed. Oof. So there are, yeah, there's a lot of people that I know that were on that alternate list who were like, I'm not wasting my time and money just to go to, to be in, you know, and then there's people who were kicked off the alternate list who were planning on going and they're like, why would I spend that time and money to go if I don't even have a, a voice. I will also say that anyone who um, is was kicked off that alternate list, if they go to tonyforchair.com and reach out to me and send, send me, or send me an email at tony at tonyforchair.com, we're actually working on getting some delegates on other state lists. Um, there are other states that still have open alternate slots and um, have been accepting out-of-state delegates, at least two that I can think of. Um, and I'm And I'm happy to 
either either me or someone on my campaign will be happy to point them in the right direction. Um, I want as many libertarians in in Reno as possible to to vote. Uh, I I think I, I think we're in for I think we're in for a dogfight in Reno, and um, yeah, as many libertarians absolutely. as we can get there is is going to be the most beneficial. Yeah, I mean, you know, I hesitated on wanting to do this podcast because um, I've left the Libertarian Party and founded the Keystone Party, which, you know, we established everything in like four hours this past weekend. That's how a meeting is ran. But anyway, um, but what happens in Reno is really going to really change the the path for the liberty movement from the third largest party in the United States. And, you know, while I'm not an active, you know, I'm a member of the LPPA, still a lifetime member, this is recorded. So if the chair tries to remove it, he has heard it publicly anyway, because they've tried to remove my lifetime membership. But, um, you know, I'm still a member of the LPPA. I still want to see liberty succeed in one way or another. And so what happens in Reno while I'm not a member of, well, I'm still a member of National too. While I'm not an actively promoting the party, it still affects what I'm doing. It still affects my family. Um, and I think that we need to see it move in a positive direction. I think under the hands of you um, that that's possible. Um, I would prefer not to see Josh Smith as vice chair, just throwing that out there. But um <laughs> but, you know, I think that there's a lot of good candidates that are up for these offices, um, some better than others. And, uh, and I'm interested to see what happens this weekend. <laughs> Me too. Um, and, and I will say that I've had, a, I've had many conversations with um, libertarians, not just from Pennsylvania, but from other states who have left the party. Um, who are who are who are thinking about leaving the party, depending on what happens this weekend? And um, some of them, not all of them, but some of them have said that if I win, they'll come back, um, or at least they'll give us a second look, um, which I find encouraging. I one of the things that I'm planning on doing is reach, reaching out to a lot of those lapsed uh, libertarians who have left for one reason or another. Either they've disagreed with national policy, or they're worried that. Um, the there's a that there's a rumbling of a caucus taking over um that that's that's going to, to damage our party i'm here to hopefully help bring those members back um i i'm not planning on going anywhere um after the party i mean i i by the way i applaud what you're doing with keystone too i i know that you haven't really been able to participate um um, as a member of the LPPA because of um, the things that happen at your convention. But now you've taken that, and instead of going just all full negative on them, you've taken taken that and built a positive. And now there's, there are multiple parties in Pennsylvania actually promoting liberty, which is a good thing. We, we need to start seeing these things as positives, not negatives. Well, and when you have more competition, it breeds the best. So when these parties see that they're the Pirate Party and the Libertarian Party and the Keystone Party are, you know, pulling people in, pulling independents in, you know, I think the statistic is like 40% of, of registered voters are independent and third party. When you start seeing them assign themselves to a party and not the Republicans or the Democrats, I think they're going to go, 
what are they doing that we aren't? And then they're going to see the, the common theme of, of more liberty, uh, more individual rights, more freedom, um, for lack of another buzzword to use at the moment. But um, I'm interested, I want to address this comment real quick. Travis said, I was disappointed in the talk about ballot access, followed by forming a new party. I don't understand. Um, are you talking about ballot access for the Libertarian Party and then the establishment of the Keystone Party? Is is that what you're talking about, Travis? Because I believe that's the context of what you're trying to say, but I want to make sure before I address it. Um, you know, I tried. <laughs> I, I, I really wanted to leave, if I'm completely honest, last summer the Libertarian Party. And I stuck it out and I wanted to try and help influence change in the in Pennsylvania, um, work on bringing people in. And I, I worked with people who have literally attacked me verbally and, and called me names and uh, criticized my character and, um, use vulgar language language towards me on my social media. And I really try and limit that because of being a teacher and a coach and PTO president and things like that. And having you know, the, the life outside of politics. And yet I worked with these people and, um, and that's why I ran for chair because I, I saw some success and I wanted to try and maintain that, you know, after the molten maneuver in, last fall and, and getting 170 plus people elected, you know, I saw some momentum that I wanted to, to maintain and the way that I was being treated, um, the way that I was being talked about and the attacks on my family, someone clipped one of my video interviews and insinuated that I was a pedophile, pedophile, pedophile and committed incest. And it's not worth it. It's not worth putting my family in jeopardy when I can, I don't have to be a part of the Libertarian Party, in my opinion, to try and advance liberty. Um, Travis, obviously, just for the record, the Libertarian Party would have been the easiest vehicle because of being established for 50 years. But yes, we'll lose ballot access came up. It, it absolutely did. And honestly, we, uh, and I say we as the Libertarian Party, um, um, can still lose. You guys can still lose ballot access. If, if the Republicans and the Democrats get wind, they could challenge you guys and, and lose your ballot access and then lose minor party status. I mean, there are so many things that happened at that convention and, you know, so much stuff that had happened in the months prior to convention with an audit and everything like that, that put, the uh the libertarian party of pennsylvania in the ag's eyes and um and yeah by no vote they voted noda i i don't know if you recall this i don't remember how much happened on saturday at this point but at our convention they voted noda for governor and they voted noda for lieutenant governor which is very telling on what they actually wanted to do um two people who, and you know, I'm a little biased cause I'm their campaign manager, but sure. two people who had been running. And I mean, you can attest to this when you're running a campaign for 16 months and you've now spent thousands of dollars, established your brand, gotten your name out there, gotten followers. You you've been running a serious campaign. I mean, there should be something to be said for that. And they were not chosen because some people didn't like them. 
Yeah. Um, because someone told him not to. Yeah, I I, um, I think it was short-sighted for anybody to think that Joe Soloski was going to go away either. I mean, he like you said, he had been running a campaign for a year and a half. He, he had a, a significant following. And of course he was going to keep running. That was that was silly. I, I don't I don't know. I, if I was a member of the LPCA, regardless of what my faction was and whether or not I liked somebody, um I, I'm not gonna thumb my nose at somebody with name recognition um over nobody. Um, likewise in New York. We've got somebody who is um I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. Not everybody likes Larry Sharp. <laughs> I know it's a shock, um, but he's our candidate. And, and he's our candidate because he's a libertarian who has built a brand and is willing to promote our party and willing to stake his neck out there for us. And that means something. Yeah. I mean, do you think every Republican loves the Republican candidates that are put up? Oh, no, God. but at the same time, they, they recognize the marketing strategy of putting up the party and putting out the party's name. And they kind of go, eh, okay, we'll just have to deal with Trump, you know, because of the following he has. I think we're going to see a really big, um, really big situation in 24 when it comes to the Republican Party. I see Trump ending up not getting the nomination and then moving off to his own party. And that's why, in my opinion, the Republicans recently made that statement about backing out of the commission of debates, the debate commission, because they want to establish some groundwork to we should allow third parties as part of the debate. Um, so whether you like someone or not, if they're pushing the party forward and have made a positive impact, that, that should be who should get it, you know, um, Tim is a friend. Tim is running as the LPP lieutenant governor. I've made my my opinions on the situation very known that I don't believe that he was vote. You know, I they voted for Noda at convention. Um, I wish him luck. Uh, I don't. I wish no ill will. Um, he's been putting out the effort and the work, and I commend him on that. Uh, having been his campaign manager, I know what he's quite capable of. So I have no fear there, but. Matt Hackenberg, who's our gubernatorial candidate, he's he's talking to an echo chamber. He is only talking to other libertarians, and that's not what you do when you're running. You no. talk to everyone but libertarians because, you know, kind of how like Republicans and Democrats vote the line, libertarians most of the time vote libertarian or else why do they self-identify as a libertarian? Whereas there's Republicans who don't like Republicans and Democrats who don't like certain Democrats that are willing to skirt the line at times and maybe maybe not vote maybe not vote for the governor as you know as a libertarian but maybe they'll vote the lieutenant governor as a third party candidate because they see that as like a win-win in the situation and while tim is you know from my understanding out there and addressing non-lp people I have not seen that from Matt. And, and if he's intending to run a paper candidacy, maybe he should tell the rest of the state he's intending to run a paper candidacy because it's, you know, two months until um, ballot signatures need to be turned in. And you then you've got a hard run of the last, you know, three, four months or whatever before election day. And it's not an easy feat. And to jump in 
from March to November and try and get that headway that Joe and Nicole have had is not, you're not going to have the same appearance, whether they're in another party or not. You've no. got a lot of ground to catch up on and they've established themselves as a liberty minded person following a lot of the libertarian philosophy. So whether they have an L next to their name or not, there's going to be people who continue to vote for Joe and Nicole, whether they have an L next to them or not. Oh, absolutely. And, um, and Joe's a friend of mine. So I, uh, I, <laughs> so, uh, I love Joe and I wish him all the best. And frankly, me being, me running for LP chair makes it hard for me to support him because well, I'm over you come to Pennsylvania. Huh? If you ever come to Pennsylvania, if you ever come to Pennsylvania and you try and try and support Joe, they'll kick you right out of the party. Cause that's what they did to some of our, some of the people here. So that, that, two of our yeah, one candidate who was running over on the western side of the state days after convention posted a picture in support of Joe Solosky, and they rescinded his nomination. Yeah, I think that I think that's a shame, um, especially in the party of personal responsibility and you know, where we're all supposed to support independent thought. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's one thing if he's on his libertarian candidate page saying support this person for for governor mm -hmm. that's different because you're representing kind of like what we were talking about earlier who you represent when you're doing messaging um can i get sure sure yeah sure i'm not sure which steve you want but sure um <laughs> i assume sheets but that's just my assumption um you know kind of how we were talking earlier with with Mises Caucus and Don't Tread on Philly, they were presenting themselves as Mises Caucus and Don't Tread on Philly. You know, there was no libertarian tie. So at that time, they could do whatever they want because it wasn't coming back to the LP. If someone on their own free time wants to endorse so-and-so and they're not doing it as a libertarian, uh, like, a, you know, as a, as a face of the libertarian party, I don't see the problem. I mean, we, some of us, I don't put Ron Paul on this pedestal and, 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 you know, say he's the best libertarian of all time. Wake up call everybody. He is a registered Republican. He held office as a Republican and he endorses Republicans while he is Liberty minded, which is awesome. He's the same thing. Sorry. I, <laughs> I no no I, I'm kind of with you on, on that. So I I um, first became a libertarian at a time when the exact opposite attitude was happening, where Harry where Harry Brown was the real the torchbearer and a, a registered libertarian, card carrying lifetime member, of, you know, a great ambassador, and Ron Paul, our former candidate, was endorsing Pat Buchanan. Um, who was a Republican and later Reform Party candidate. So I've seen both sides of this, where there's a whole large group of libertarians that really, really th that think Ron Paul's the devil and think that, and a group of libertarians that think Ron Paul's the second coming, um, probably of the second coming of Harry Brown. I don't know. Um, I, I I don't fall in either one of those camps. I, I don't I don't hear a worship uh, Ron Paul. I'm not going to be going out of my way to, to see him in Reno. I know he's going to be there. 
I'm nothing against the guy. He's he's great, especially on economic issues in, in pushing libertarian principles, and he's brought a lot of people to our party. But um, what you said is true. Um, he he's he also was a Republican congressman. He ran for he ran for the Republican presidential nomination, not the Libertarian pres- presidential nomination. And frankly, we could have used him in two thousand eight. But um, you know, he he would have certainly been a better choice than Bob Barr. But but he's he's um. He's definitely one of those people that's skirting the line. Thomas Massey's another one. Um, he's great. He he's holds a lot of strong policy positions. And um, I know LP Kentucky doesn't usually run candidates against them. But I'd support it if they did. I, um, t- at the end of the day, Thomas Massey's a Republican, not not a libertarian. I find it, I find it really telling that those that are quick to put put forward liberty Republicans as as they so often get called um never really put forward tossie gabbard who i believe is a liberty democrat in a lot of her stances not perfect by any means but in comparison to like i don't know aoc and bernie sanders um (laughs) she's much more liberty driven and you know has some better stances on some some issues that you know are important in my opinion to the libertarian party but it's just quick they're just quick to put up republican liberty-minded people and so, i just think that we sh- if you're going to do that do it whole circle so i mean and, but, but you bring up a great a great point and, and here's where uh, when when we get libertarians in congress because it's going to happen again it's, it's absolutely going to happen again we're going to st- we're going to be the third party and we're going to be a a a, 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 a stark minority for a while but we're but it's going to happen we're going to break through I, i'm confident of that there are issues where I would absolutely want to side with the Republicans on, especially a lot of the economic issues or on any issues um, surrounding 2A. And there are issues where I would actually be supporting someone like AOC on, like issues of foreign policy, which hurt, you know, you say that, you know, Tulsi's a much more libertarian uh, Democrat than, than, um, than uh, AOC is, and I 100% agree with that. But there are issues where, um, even AOC holds some pretty strong libertarian um, stances, and foreign policy is one of them. And, and and we need to, as a party, look at the big picture. We're a big tent, and if we want to grow, we need to be out front, in front of these issues, and yep. be the party representing these issues, not just hitching our wagon to um, the GOP. No, yeah, and I 100%. And, you know, there's never going to be a time where it's all libertarian or keystone or pirate or whatever holding all of these offices. So we need to find these um, arrangements, these, these, you know, compromises with people from across the aisle to work with. I 100% agree with that. And I think that that's why we need to be acknowledging the, 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 the things that we agree on with both sides on all sides whether it be green or or pirate or republican or democrat or anything like that you know we need to be finding allies you know we i I love i don't know if you're familiar with spike's new program but he is you are the power he just started Mm -hmm. this program called you are the power and i think that that's exactly what we need we need a, a a a base foundation that helps us to work with different people 
on single issue items that we agree on that need reform that need changed and adjusted and or brought to light for that matter um and i think that that's what we need to be seeing across the board and that's why you know with the keystone party here in pennsylvania this show is on not a real libertarian it's called liberty 101 and i've had different parties on here because i know that it's not going to be one party that helps make change it's going to be multiple parties and all of those parties should have a voice if we've talked about you know the duopoly silencing third parties for so long why would we continue to do it you know why would we do it as, as a third party do it to other third parties and i think that we should be helping each other not hindering each other and being supportive you know because that's the way that change happens and yeah. i'm just go on <sighs> I, I i've used this now i've used this analogy that I, that i think is fitting um it, it's it's like selling lemonade um we are the libertarian party and um you know especially if you add on the keystones the pirates um and other parties um, around the country um that, that, that don't exclusively live in Pennsylvania, who, who are also supporting liberty. Um, if, if you take all, all of us, especially, but the Libertarian Party alone, we're the third largest political party in, in the country. Mm -hmm. So picture us running this great lemonade stand, selling the best lemonade with the simplest ingredients. And the, Demo the duopoly, the Democrats and Republicans are Walmart and Target. Even got the colors right, the red and the blue. But uh, so... And so they're they're just that much bigger than us. We are we are small, so we need to be efficient, and we need to be throwing we need to be marketing our best lemonade and making sure that our customers get the best lemonade. We need to stop throwing the lemons at each other. You're muted, Christine. By the way. Just realized I'm muted. Yeah. I absolutely 100% agree. Um, you know, I just don't know how we get that message across to people who aren't open to it. You know what I mean? Um, you know, putting in place things like the LPPA has with basically punishing people for having an alter, you know, opposite opinion on a candidate is, is not the way forward. Um, no, I agree. It's, 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 it's actually six steps back, in my opinion, um, especially when it comes from the party of freedom and individual choice. I mean, but. It's, also not, it's also not unique because we, we saw it in 2016 with uh, with uh, Gary Johnson. There were still people who were saying, I'm going to vote for XYZ candidate. And there were a couple that, that I heard thrown out. Um, as alternates, I know there was a writing candidate campaign for Daryl Perry. Still, I know there were there was the what, Evan McMullen or whatever his name was from Utah who threw his name in at the last minute. Um, in, in 2020, I'm not going to vote for Joe Jorgensen. I'm going to vote for Kanye West um, or, 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 or whatever. We're, he's not a libertarian. Um, not but, at all. But but I mean one of the, one of the things about individual thought and um and 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 supporting this free thinking is that we sometimes have to accept and work with um this type of contentiousness and con contentious nature and um it's not always easy and and we're not always going to please everyone when we do it and 
we need leadership. We need leadership who isn't afraid to do that, um, yeah. but still be willing to work with people who disagree with it. Yeah, and I definitely think you bring that leadership quality to the LNC, and I do hope um, you come out. I, I hope the party wins this weekend, what's best for the party, and I think that you are definitely one that can help the party win this weekend. Um, I, I can't speak on many other people. I have some some <clears throat> occasional experiences with people like Karen Ann and um but for the others, I really don't have that much experience because I tried to stay local and then I got yeah. roped into not to, to state. Um, and I, I, for me personally, I commend you on what you're doing because I have no desire to go national. Um, even with Keystone, I have no, I mean, maybe help planning it one day, one day. Um, but it's a big undertaking um, to help organize and facilitate these these affiliates across the country, and it's it's not some small feat. So, I commend you on being willing to take on that role if elected. Um, the time and money that you'll invest into doing that for the sake of liberty that that's something that needs to be understood. Travis, um, absolutely, you're welcome anytime. I appreciate here. Oh. Um, I appreciate your comments. Um, I, to this day, for the record, still want to work with anybody who wants to get stuff done. Uh, regardless of party now, regardless of caucus and regardless of, of party. Then he goes on to say, I was graceful at LPPA. <laughs> and then Christy. Um, you know, do you have any final thoughts, Tony? Um, I am looking forward to talking to as many libertarians as I can. Um, on the lead up to Reno, on my way to Reno, um, in Reno, after Reno, uh, I want to continue the, these conversations. I, I think we're we're going to become a better party and we're going to start healing from some of the um, acrimony that we've seen when we start talking to each other. And, and I'm really hoping that what comes out of this weekend um, uh, is a catalyst for, for that. I, I'm really, really holding on to my optimism as hard as possible. So uh, well, I but, wish you. Well, go on. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, the only other thing I was going to say, um, please go. If you, if you want to reach out to me, go to Tony My email, Tony at Tony Four is the number of terms I'm going to serve. It's a joke I've been making. I'm not going to serve four terms. <laughs> kill me. But, um, but in all seriousness, I, uh, I I really welcome your comments, positive and negative. Um, I, I, I'm going to have a conversation with you either way. I appreciate you being one and taking the time to talk about things that may have been a little uncomfortable because you're running for chair and not wanting to uh, irritate anyone on any side of the, uh, the, the pendulum. Um, so I appreciate you taking the time and, and answering the questions, sometimes pol in a, politi a politician way, but you answered them. So I appreciate that. <laughs> no, no worries. Thank you for having me. I appreciate I appreciate uh, the conversation. And if you want, I'm going to um, wrap up here. If you want to stay on afterwards and, and kind of yeah. recap and, and end the convo, um, I look forward to that conversation. Um, but again, thank you for coming on. I'm going to give my final thoughts. So guys, 
I hope you enjoyed tonight's show. It was great talking with Tony and hearing his goals for the LNC. Um, you know, I may have left the party, but I didn't leave the philosophy. And the only way that th this philosophy can be put into our government and into legislation is by us working together. And we need to be looking for the people to put in leadership who can work with all kinds of people, people who aren't talking about pushing people out after they take over the party. And I think Tony is definitely one of those people that can help with moving the party in a forward direction. I recommend you go to his page, reach out to him and give any kind of criticism because that's only, that's the only way you can build yourself as a person and as a leader is to hear what you may be doing in the eyes of some is wrong to be able to make yourself better and to make yourself open to listening to other people. I truly do believe the LPPA delegates should not be seated at convention this coming weekend. Um, but that's not for me to decide. That's for the credentialing committee. But as someone who was running for chair, someone who's been active in the party for a long time, and someone who was at convention and tried to stop the violation of election code, I do believe that our delegates were illegal. But with that said, keep working together. Keep bringing kindness and positivity into the world. And we will see change one day in our lifetime. Thanks for joining us. Have a good night.